Hello, everyone, and welcome to our seventh episode of Pod de Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Clara Peterson. And I'm your other host, Jessica Williams. So, Clara, we haven't had a chance to catch up in a while. What have you been up to lately? What have I been up to besides producing this podcast? <laughs> I'm actually working on um, an independent feature film, which is really exciting, with Marco Coppola. He's a very talented uh, NYU student director, and uh, he's making his thesis film. So I've been working on that with him and a whole awesome crew of producers. And in the dance world, you know what? I realized I've been saying that I haven't done any dancing, but that's not true. I've been going out and dancing in clubs, so... That kind of counts. That <laughs> definitely counts. What about you? What have you been up to? Um, similarly, I have been going out dancing, and that definitely feels very good. Awesome. Um, my friend Carmen and I went out dancing in Philadelphia this weekend, actually, and um, went out to see one of the DJs from the Ill Vibe Collective, and that was really fun, and it was just fun to just totally let go and dance all night. Sometimes you really just need that to, like, let loose and let the flow go through your body. Yeah, totally. And she has a little baby, so that's awesome. You guys still got to go out. Yeah, girls' night. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Carmen is the one with whom you have the company Pop and Wedlock, I yes. believe, right? Yep, that's true. Yeah. I don't. Have you done anything with that in a little while? Recently, I've been connecting brides-to-be um, oh. with dance teachers that I know. Okay. Um, so I'm sort of like a go-between at this point. Awesome. I just love the company name so much, Pop and Wedlock. Yeah, To teach Pop people to dance for their weddings. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like my favorite thing. Cool. All right, so we're on the same wavelength of dance mm -hmm. these days. And um, I recently checked out Ballet West at the Joyce. Oh, really? Yes. I saw it with uh, another friend of mine who is not a dancer, but she just really enjoyed watching the show. That was on the CW for two seasons, but was unfortunately canceled maybe over a year ago. Okay. Um, and it was really interesting. It was just interesting to see all of the the dancers, I want to say characters, but the dancers in real life who were a part of this reality show to see them actually perform on stage. It was just so interesting. And we totally dorked out at the end of the performance <laughs> and took a picture with Beck Ann Sisk, the best ballerina ever. Oh. And she was very gracious and took a picture with us. Awesome. And then I tweeted it all over Twitter. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, the Joyce is so small that it can be intimate like that. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. Well, why don't we bring on Wendy after a little intro? We're so excited to talk to Wendy Seib today. Uh, Wendy Seib is a director, writer, and choreographer who creates works for film, theater, and dance. She really focuses on representing the humorous side of the human condition in her work, uh, which really brings a unique comedic flair to much of her choreography. Uh, one of Wendy's career highlights includes choreographing the Pee Wee Herman show for Broadway, which we can't wait to hear more about. And uh, Wendy's also been sought out by names like Disney, the Cartoon Network, and Nickelodeon, um, while also maintaining her own independent film projects and other theater works uh, for Off-Broadway, for regional theaters, and for national tours. So as you can see, she pretty much does everything, um, heavily embedded in theater and film in a number of worlds, so we're, we can't wait to learn more about all of these endeavors. Welcome, Wendy. Thanks. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Thanks for coming on the show. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got into dance and your dance training? 
Sure. And theater and everything else. Yeah, all that. (laughs) (laughs) All of that stuff that's all wrapped up together for you. Uh, I started dancing when I was four. I remember my mother asking me if I wanted to try it. And I just remember thinking, I'm sure I didn't say it. Well, I might have said it. I was like, of course. And uh, we lived about an hour outside of Minneapolis at the time. And there was a little like strip mall studio. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I started taking the standard jazz tap and ballet. um, And very quickly, I got bored. Mm. Uh, They had limited resources. And it was also a competition studio which isn't how my mind worked for dance. Okay. Um, And so when I was nine, we got to go to, um, they brought me to Minnesota Dance Theater, which Mm -hmm. I realized, yeah, (laughs) that was more of the mindset for me, more of a company mindset. Mm. Uh, So I did heavy ballet training there, heavy ballet training, which Mm I am so grateful for. And I loved it. I fell in love with it. Every Saturday, I'd go down there. So I didn't watch a lot of cartoons. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, as a kid, you're like, oh, ballet or cartoons. Every mm-hmm. Saturday. Such a tough yep. choice. Same. Oh, and you couldn't DVR it. This was the mid-'80s. Well, so. you could put a VHS tape in and record it. <laughs> That's true. I wasn't as savvy. I just, I loved it, and I still do. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember, like, when you started to walk. Not really. But I don't remember when I learned how to plie either, you know. So it's always been there for me, which is great. And it's such a good um, regiment and ritual to have. Yeah. So what about theater? How did you in- integrate the theater aspect and the choreography? Um, I went to the Children's Theater in Minneapolis. Which I think is nationally renowned as a children's theater. It is theater. nationally renowned, mm-hmm. and it has won a Tony Award which I had the extreme joy and pleasure of returning to and choreographing this uh, fall, winter. I did that for a little while, but, you know, I had to, like, learn lines and say words out loud, which being the quintessential (laughs) dance, like, as truly a dancer at my heart, I don't do well with words. Mm -hmm. Um, I tried to go to the Guthrie a couple times, and I almost got in. Um, What is the Guthrie? The Guthrie is um, one of the top regional theaters in the U.S., and it is in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Minneapolis is a huge mecca of art. A mm-hmm. lot of people don't know about it because it's so close mm-hmm. to Chicago, and I think Minneapolis kind of likes being a little under the radar. Probably. Mm-hmm. Minnesotans don't like too much attention. No. Mm-hmm. But there's probably about, I mean, now there's probably about, I don't know, eight companies, eight like professional uh, dance companies, there's always at least 20 theater companies. And with the Guthrie and the Children's Theater, and now Chanhassen has gotten really big. Mm. And so, yeah. That's impressive for a Midwest city. So you did Children's Theater and MDT. You balanced the two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I had quit Minnesota Dance Theater, and then the next Mm. year, or maybe two years later, I got into the Children's Theater and then I did a bunch of stuff at high school, and, you know, I was always busy doing a bunch of stuff and theater. And, you know, I played Annie, which is not actually fun, being a 16-year-old girl. Really? Playing a 12-year-old girl. Oh. <laughs> no, they had to go to the... <laughs> I'm rather small in stature, and so they are trying to get orphans smaller than me, <laughs> and they couldn't find any at the junior high, <laughs> so they had to go to the elementary schools anyway. <laughs> but, uh... 
and then I went, I got back into dance in college, and at that time it was jazz and hip-hop, because it was the early 90s, and Janet Jackson was the reigning queen. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, I found my love for dance again. Wow. And I did a bunch of companies there, and I realized if I wanted to still go to New York when I graduated, that I would go. That's great. And at any time during your training, did you find that it was hard to balance your interests in any way? Like, or was there any point where it felt like your dance interest was competing with your theater? Or did anything feel overwhelming at any point? Nope. They actually didn't really overlap because I was doing dance so much. And then I quit when I was 14. And then I started to get into theater because I I loved ballet and I couldn't articulate at the time, but I look back and realize I saw that there was no funny ballets or at least hmm. not enough to satisfy myself. And I can't believe I kind of grasped that a little bit at that age. And so I thought, oh, theater would be, that's, there's funny in theater. Yeah. I'll go do that. Your outlet for comedy. Exactly, Hmm. because there was nothing that represented both. I mean, there's five funny ballet, you know, obviously the concert, Jerome Robbins, and Mm -hmm. uh, Ballet de Monte Carlo is wonderfully funny, but nothing that I saw that wanted to be funny all the time, ridiculous, you know. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. When I think of dance in general, I don't think of there even being room for comedy, but just opening my eyes now... um, there are moments when dance is very funny, and it's not something I think a lot of people realize can be done, but it's really amazing to hear that um, it's out there. Yeah, when it's done well, I think it's one of the best theatrical experiences you can have. I've always loved um, the funny moments in ballet, and I think I was tuned into that pretty early thanks to Ballet of the Dolls in Minneapolis. Are you familiar with them? No. Oh, they're so great. They're so great. They're just hilarious and over the top and virtuosic in their dancing ability. Um, and my mom and I would go every year when I was when I was a kid. It's rather adult humor, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Got started early. So yeah, I've always really loved humor in dance too, but it's so rare. I f- yeah, I feel like, I mean, it's nice to hear that there's a company like that. And in the past, mm-hmm. I think, I want to I want to say like maybe five years, I started to hear about a lot of companies bringing more levity to their work and having mm-hmm. more than one funny piece. And I say that in quotes because yeah. f- that's a whole other conversation of levels of comedy and spectrum. But it's nice to hear that, yeah, there's been a lot more um, welcome of that in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how does one cultivate an interest in comedic dance and cultivate your skill in developing it? Like, how did you realize this is something that I want to do, and how did you start approaching that type of work? Um, I didn't choose it. It chose me, Mm -hmm. and it took me a long time to understand that's what it was because I didn't see any examples that were exactly what I wanted to do. Mm. There was no companies doing what I wanted to do. And that's usually how work gets done is you don't see the work that you want to see or do in the world. So you make it right. Um, So, yeah, it's funny. People it's it's interesting. People ask me, they're like, why comedy? I'm like, why drama? 
why do you want to do a piece about the apartheid? Why do you want to do a piece <laughs> about, you know, women's rights, which are all great. But I, you know, I just, it's funny to me. Um, it's a great question, but it's yeah. so fascinating that, you know, it comes up um, in that context. But uh, yeah. yeah, it took me a long time to understand that. In fact, I suppressed being funny because in the concert world, which I got into when I moved to New York, because that's a great way to get your work up. It's very open and welcoming. There's a lot of um, paths that can lead you to do your own work. It's very easy. And I didn't think I'd do theater. If you told me I'd do musical theater when I first moved here, I would have laughed in your face. I'd have been like, that's cheesy. I don't (laughs) do that. (laughs) Luckily, it's been wonderful. and so yeah, I was looking at all the studio, all the, I was looking at all the companies and the choreographers at that time, and this was the mid to late '90s, mm-hmm. trying to take classes. And you know, do I want to audition for Will Taylor or Mark Morris? Like, where can I go? And just no one lit me up. Did you audition for any of those companies in the end? No, okay. no, because I also knew I didn't want to wait 10 years to do my work and then I didn't want to be a Paul Taylor dancer doing work because I would have been influenced by him which is great but I'd rather be influenced by him by watching his work as a choreographer not as a dancer Hmm. I wanted my work to be pure. So how did you transition into doing choreography? It sounds like you moved to New York and you were focused on um, something a little different finding your focus. Mm -hmm. How did you wind up with choreography? Um, I'd actually been doing it since I was eight, but I didn't realize I was doing it. You know, you're in the basement and you're like, hey, guys, we're going to do a dance to Greece. And my friends were like, "Okay," And so I'd make it up. And I had my first lesson in choreography because I did a whole dance to, I don't know, what Summer Lovin' or something. Great. And they're like, that's great. Now teach us. And I was Mm. like, you didn't learn it? Ah, rule number one. Remember what you do, <laughs> which is great. And um, I got into choreography a little bit in college because I started a company at college, and then I was in companies where I would be able to do a little choreography work. Oh. Not funny. Total, it was all hip-hop. It was all very different than what I do. Um, and actually, I came to New York. I was going to be a B-girl. Yeah, that didn't last long. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I started choreographing as a full-on choreographer, like, I'm going to try this when I was on scholarship at Steps. Okay. Which I got on my first year in the city, which was great. Okay. It was great. It was such a wonderful community to be a part of. And it was the first time they had a scholarship showcase. And they're like, okay, who wants to do a piece? And I'm like, well, I want to do a piece. And that was in 96. And that was kind of it. And then my dear friend was also a choreographer. And I was like, I read Twyla Tharp's Push Comes a Shove. When I was on uh, vacation with my family and I came back, I'm like, we need to put on a show. And she's like, okay. Awesome. And I just figured it out. But I still didn't embrace the comedy at the time. That took mm-hmm. me another five years. Well, I think like you said, it can be when uh, what you want doesn't exist, it can take a while to realize what it is you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And also it felt that story, character, and comedy at the time in that world I'll say at the time because it's different. Hmm. Felt like a cop out. Hmm. I felt like I wasn't being a serious artist and talking about the plagues of today, and that's what dance is for. Hmm. 
at least in that spectrum. And so I buried the comedy. I was kept the funny kept coming out, and I'm like, no, that's too easy. I gotta work at it. Yeah, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Yeah, and it's so fascinating because I think we all have had that happen to us where we think, you know, oh, I shouldn't write in this style or I shouldn't do this, even though it feels natural. And it's so inspiring to hear that even though you saw that this didn't existed, you eventually let it come out. And how did you let it eventually come out? How did you start becoming comfortable with your voice? I embraced my comedian side. Mm. <laughs> um, it was in it was in 2001, and I did a piece that I started to dip my toe into comedy, and I was like, all right, let's 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 try this. And it was for a mixed bill. And it was actually the first piece I stepped out of my work, which was the smartest thing I ever did. It was the hardest thing I ever did because the reason I was creating was because I wanted to perform it, you know? Um, and I did that, and that went off pretty well. And I was like, okay, maybe I don't know where this goes because there's no path for this, no path. But then at the same time, it's like, awesome, there's no path, right? Mm -hmm. I can do whatever the I want or, you know, try. Yeah. And so I started to kind of think about the comedy. And then it was like the floodgates. It was just the floodgates. And the main the main thing that's been a focus over the years is to learn how to articulate it. Okay. And how to explain it. I mean, mm. and you have to do it for grants in words. So you have to use words to explain a nonverbal art form. Mm -hmm. That's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, then I ended up hooking up with some, you know, and then I just started doing my own work in mixed bills, and I looked at theater, and I said, well, that's when um, Swan Lake was out on Broadway, the Matthew Bourne piece. Oh, uh, okay. And there was a small bit that had a little toy corgi that they brought on, and the audience went crazy over it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, ha, huh. they'll laugh at dance. Now, it wasn't in the context of the dance, but they were open to it. Mm -hmm. But it was right. also because it was in the theater world, which I think right. has a better perspective for that, you know. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll try theater because that's story. That's comedy. Hmm. And, you know, moving out was coming out. And so there was and contact. And so there was references where there was a full evening of dance that had character, that had story, that was in a, on a prominent stage, you know, that that wasn't a dance company. So there was an other. So you, it's so great that you have this whole kind of historical perspective because we keep asking people um, and trying to really get a sense of how the world of dance has changed over time. Can you tell us a little bit about how uh, you've seen the theater world evolve over time, the world you've been involved in, and then similarly how the dance world has changed over the last couple years? Sure, sure, yeah. I mean, I came in, you know... Um, to the concert world in 95. That's uh, Doug Verone, Doug Elkins, David Dorfman. Uh, Larry Kegwin was beginning to, uh, Monica Bill Barnes. So what do you mean by the concert world? The concert world in where uh, it is a company that is a dance company mm. that does a full evening of their work. It's usually uh, one choreographer, mm. not too many rep companies. 
uh, I say modern and ballet fall in that world. Okay. As opposed to, to me, there's sort of three. There's that, there's the theater world, mm-hmm. where usually the dance is obviously part of the musical, but the it's not the headliner. Right. You know? Um, and then there's the commercial world, where what I see, you know, now we have things like So You Think You Can Dance, Dancing with the Stars, you know, at my time, and there's still this time, is the backup dancers for Gaga or Janet, totally dating myself now. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's what we like, um, the perspective. You know, and then obviously it's been coming into film with musicals, which is great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I still don't think it's to the level that we had it, like a Gene Kelly. But We've talked about this. Uh-huh. I think that's, I think that's my job. Uh-huh. Exactly. I'm gonna say it right now. Exactly. Um, but I had this is an interesting perspective. You guys would probably enjoy this. So, let's see. I think it was like 2007, 2008. I connected with uh, now a good friend of mine, Mark Gindick, who's a wonderful clown, and oh. he's a great dancer. And he's actually, uh, he's do he's been working with Doug Elkins a lot lately. But he mm-hmm. also does Big Apple Circus, and he's incredible and he's like I have an idea for a piece I want to do a dance piece I'm like great and I brought in my dancer Catherine Fragos who's one of the most brilliant dance comedians and so the three of us you know Mark had this great idea and we started to kind of put it together because I like to be collaborative and it's a piece called Supernovas Supernovas and we won a couple clown nose awards you know but the great thing was we did it in the clown world the theater world and the dance world hmm. wow. and all three different reactions the clown world was incredibly raucous and warm and ridiculous and funny but that's also mark's world and he's uh-huh. very well known there and he's mm-hmm. the lead in it and he's fantastic they both are and it was a great piece very proud of it the clown world was really great because they had never seen that kind of dance in their world mm-hmm. so that was new the theater world it's uh was sort of this weird hybrid you know, which was really fun. They mm-hmm. loved it. And the dance world was like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> we don't get it yet. <laughs> um, and and it was great. And at the time, you know, I'd kind of been out of the dance world for a little bit, so I expected mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we were part of a mixed bill down at what well, was a Joy Soho, which unfortunately isn't mm-hmm. there anymore. Mm. And... You, the audience would write down thoughts of your piece and you get like this paper bag of thoughts afterward. And one of them I, and I have still, I'm not sure where it is, but I held on to it and it kind of explained it to me. And it said, funny, yes, thought provoking, no. <laughs> and to me it sort of encompassed the dance world at the time. Mm. You know, and what I was sort of, pushed up against and I mean no one was outright at me but you know I could feel it and it was Mm -hmm. it was just there wasn't a lot of place for me to go so I thought that was really poignant. So you think at that time the dance world was more or less putting up a solid wall? Not so much a solid wall it was just um, we weren't a popular idea. Mm. My work wasn't the norm. So mm-hmm. they, they wanted it to be thought-provoking. They felt like in order to be a legitimate piece, it has to be thought-provoking. And Conceptual. <laughs> <laughs> Which all it was, though, mm-hmm. you know? And that's what's it's different. Yeah, and so, and that's sort of like, 
actually, I guess it kind of helped me feel a little better about feeling like I didn't have a voice in the dance world and I couldn't do comedy. And that sort of like legitimized it. And I didn't, at that time I was over it. I was like, whatever. Mm -hmm. So, but I thought that was really fascinating. But then, you know, I've worked with um, dancers responding to AIDS a lot. Mm -hmm. They're great. And they called me up. They're like, we need some levity in this piece. I was like, yes. Uh-huh. But when That's I great. do my work in the dance world, I always make sure and tell my dancers, I'm like, listen, they're not going to laugh at first. You have to give them time. Mm. And don't push the funny. Never push the funny. Mm. But they'll get on the train. Just give them a little time. Because mm-hmm. they, they have to learn that it's okay to laugh out loud. So have you seen that change? Do you think you are seeing the dance world shift to be becoming funnier? Um, I don't want to say it's funnier, but I'll say it's more welcome, welcoming, welcoming to comedy. I do. Yeah. I do. Okay. I did a piece um, in 2012 with the National Choreographers Initiative, mm-hmm. which is a great program. Um, it's for up-and-coming ballet choreographers. I'm like, sure, I'm that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was right. great because then I got to work with ballet dancers from all over the U.S. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, just so you know, this is something totally different. Because there's, the chore- there's three other choreographers, and we all got up to do a little bit of work with everyone so we could kind of pick and choose. And one was very contemporary ballet, and one was much more modern and I'm like, okay, you guys, you're walking down the street, you run into each other, and you pick your nose, and you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was it like working with the ballerinas and trying to get them to do these comedic choreography? It's in them. It's mm-hmm. in them. And I, I did three pieces. Um, one was a much more serious piece, if you could call it that. And another one was a duet with two of the dancers that I was like, yep, they're mine. They are of my mind, and they just were great. We had a wonderful time together collaborating on a piece. And then I was still just working in the theater world that I already banged through the first two pieces, and I had, like, another week. Hmm. I'm oh, like, wow. Oh. <laughs> and it's that moment where you sit there, look at the dancers, and they look at you, and you're like, I don't know what to do. It's, like, the most terrifying moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's much better than not finishing it in time. Exactly. <laughs> so we made up a piece that actually that's – was one I was going to shoot in September. Okay. And I was like, all right, guys, you are drunk at a bar, and it's closing. You got to get home, and you can't drive. Here's some Mozart. Go. (laughs) And so I think some glommed onto it, and some just wanted to be told what to do, and that's fine. Mm. But people really stepped up, and I really appreciate that because I was giving them a little, I think, freedom in a way they had never had it. And some liked it, and some didn't, and that's okay. But... It was interesting to see what came out and who like really just kind of embraced it. So it was fascinating. Ended up being one of the best pieces I've done in a long time, actually. And the audience embraced it. That's great. So can you tell us more about your methodology as a choreographer? What are some different ways that you've choreographed a piece? Uh, Well, theater's different. Yeah, uh, and I'm curi- I'm very curious about that, actually. Sure. Because I don't have sure. as much experience, you know, myself. Well, that I had to figure out. I mean, God bless the first actors I worked with when I did my first musical, because <laughs> yeah. I choreographed every beat of every song. Don't you have to do that? I mean, that's no. What- oh, okay. No, mm-hmm. that's terribly mean. No, <laughs> they have to mm-hmm. sing. <laughs> In theater, 
the dance isn't the main storytelling element. It right. is a storytelling element. I mean, it depends right. on the piece, though, too. Like, moving out, obviously, it was. Mm-hmm. But those don't come around as often as your good old music, you know, good old piece of musical theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're also working with actors and dancers. You know, I usually get like five, anywhere from five to 11 people, and they're on huge variant degrees of dance experience. And my job is to make them look great and equalize them at times, bring mm. out the characters, uh, make it look organic, which I prefer. Sure. While telling the story and furthering the characters and the journey within the song. Oh, wow. Now, if it's well written, it's all there. And I just bring my stuff to it. Um, but it was a good lesson. And I'm glad I learned the lesson is to work. I love working with actors because it comes from the story and the characters. And that's how my work starts as. Okay. The steps come last, which is funny because when I first started, they came first. But it wasn't about story at the time. It was just about movement. So it's completely shifted. Um, And then, you know, I get in the room and I see what actors and dancers I have. And, you know, if I had a chorus, I've ever did a piece where I had a chorus of dancers. Like you have the actors and you have a separate chorus of dancers. It'd be very different because then I have people I know they can do whatever we can do and we can go crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's usually bringing, equalizing the dance to people's talents. So you have choreographed for the Pee Wee Herman show on Broadway, which I personally loved. Great. I was so excited to read that when we were preparing (laughs) for your interview. Excellent. Um, What was that process like from beginning to end, and what were some things that stood out that you can remember? It was fast. Oh. Uh, They had actually done it in California, um, and I knew Alex Timbers at the time, well, I still know him, who's a director, and we spoke a little about it, and I heard that they are coming to New York, and I said, hey, you know, if you want to, if you ever want to shift around, I'm your girl. Obviously, I do comedy. You know, I'd love to work with you. And that actually paid off, because he said, well, yeah, we were actually looking for work. I was like, oh, that doesn't work too often. Wow. Um, so because it was considered, a, and this is like in the theater world, there's contracts and levels of contracts and different words for different things you know and this was a play with music so it wasn't a musical so I was on um, a certain number of days I wasn't just on the whole rehearsal process okay and it's also cheaper and so I sat down with Paul Rubens peewee to sort mm-hmm. of glom from him what he wanted change and Alex too obviously you know, what they wanted changed and what he was looking for and trying to figure out, pull from his mind what he what he needs and what he wants. And then get in the room with the actors. And all the actors, most of them, I should say, were film and TV. So it was a whole other uh, thought process mm-hmm. that I hadn't dealt with yet, which was fascinating. So I thought, all right, we'll just, let's talk about the story and the character. We can all meet there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was pretty fast, and it was, it was uh, a bit of a whirlwind, but it was, it was great. It was great. And um, there was a character who was in a bear costume, so a lot of the dance was, it was nonverbal with Pee-wee. And uh, so I went and I worked with that actor separately, and we were at a different rehearsal studio, and then we came back to the main one, and Alex is like, do you want to show us? I'm like, sure. And I said, you know what, instead of trying to teach Paul what it is, I was like, Paul, why don't you sit down and let me be you and we can show you what it is. 
back of my mind, I'm like, was that a smart choice? <laughs> <laughs> and it actually worked because then he can just see it and be like, yes or no, instead of trying to put it on him. And, and luckily it was the right choice. Good. So, Great. yeah. Good. But uh, it was it was fun. And I've worked with celebrities before, you know, and it's he was lovely. We had a great time. We had him do a dance with Cherry. And, you know, you're in that setting, you're in the rehearsal studio, then you're in the theater. And I was only there one day on tech. And then the doors open and people come in and you're like, oh, right. This is an icon. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's right. great. And you, you know, you, you know you just, you're doing the work and you kind of forget, like, there's this whole other world that comes in. And it was great. I uh, ended up meeting Daniel Radcliffe oh, and Judd really? Apatow. And, oh, my gosh, Daniel Radcliffe is really short and cute. I was so surprised. Yeah. He was so <laughs> lovely. It's a great show to have a Broadway debut for. I'm, I'm very lucky. Very yeah. grateful for the opportunity. That's absolutely. Great. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, to talk about some of your other experiences um, that really stand out, in what capacity did you work with Disney, the Cartoon Network, and Nickelodeon? Um, Disney, I actually was a performer. Oh, yeah. Cool. We'll let that one go. Um, <laughs> no, uh, as a dancer, being tiny, I had characters. I did a lot. Like I did, there was an industrial I did here in 97 at the New Amsterdam, and I was Minnie Mouse and Abu the Monkey. And then I did Sebastian the Crab at Madison Square Garden. And I was like, oh, this is fun, but I did a lot of ballet for this, you know? And I realized being so small in stature myself that that was kind of a viable option. These were for shows that they put on? Mm-hmm. Live, live industrial shows here in New York. I never worked at the parks. Um, although I, I Fun, was though. the first to be asked uh, when, the, when the cruise line started. I was the first one they asked to be the first mini. On the cruise? And I was like, no. Not just for one cruise? I don't like cruises. <laughs> I don't think I would either, to be fair. And I was like, I need to stay here and be an artist, which was kind of <laughs> dumb because I could have made some good money. But Anyway, um, and then I and then uh, I guess it was maybe two years ago. Uh, Disney Disney do, does these things where they license out their shows, you know, to schools, and they have like Disney Junior. And what oh. they do is they put a DVD in to give some choreography ideas because it's usually the science teacher, you know, trying mm-hmm. to put on the musical, and so it just kind of <laughs> helps give them a guide, which is really smart. And so they brought me on to do um, my son Pinocchio. We gave them, like, a fun idea they could do with the whale and then use all the students. And then, you know, they gave me a bunch of kids, and we just kind of did, like, two other numbers. And mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, I have good friends that work there, and just, you know, it's a nice connection. And yeah. so they're lovely to work with. I had a great time. So these are videos of, like, suggested choreography for the shows? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, break it down a little bit how you can teach it. Sure. Because that's you know, a whole different mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and for uh, Nickelodeon, I actually was an assistant choreographer on uh, Go Diego Go. These are all live shows. Okay. Um, one called Storytime Live, which was a, a culmination of five of their shows. Mm-hmm. It was like Wonder Pets, Dora. I don't know. It eludes me now. Um, and that was fun. Played Radio City Music Hall. That was a great tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was that was neat, you know, translating the cartoon to live. And then uh, the Cartoon Network, that was a fun piece. I ended up meeting this wonderful director called Lee Overtree and his company, Story Pirates. They actually um, 
take plays that kids have written and they make they create them as live stage mm-hmm. productions. Um, but they also had won a pitch to the Cartoon Network to show how they would bring. Uh, I'm just trying to think if I can say this out loud now. <laughs> I don't know if I can say the show, but they want to bring one of their top programs to the live stage to see what that would mean. And so I actually had been meeting Lee about a different job, and I was like, oh, and what else is on your roster? And he told me that. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm I'm me. Me, yes. (laughs) I'm that girl that goes, I'm the cartoon girl. Please. Um, And he's like, oh, yeah, I guess we need. I'm like, yes, yes, me, me. And Mm -hmm. so they were great, and we made it happen. We went out to L.A. for two weeks and did this great, like, just a short little 15-minute sort of idea of you know we took elements of the show and this is how we would do it and a little bit of a story and we did like a slow motion fight as you do and Mm -hmm. uh it was really great and um you are a triple threat a writer director and choreographer have you had any projects recently where you've had to utilize all three skills uh, no, I've done a lot of musicals in the past like few months hmm. uh, where I am the choreographer. But a choreographer in a musical is different than, I'm being very general with this, as I'm finding out, when you're hired as a choreographer for a film, especially if it's just like a tango. Mm-hmm. A choreographer in a musical is, I mean, what I've, and then the lovely directors I've worked with, they're like, here you go, here's a song, go. And I don't just do the dance, I do. I hate to use the word direction because it's not like the director doesn't, but I'm given that song and I'm dealing with, like I said, the story and the character arc and what the actor can do and how he can move it forward. And I'm like, I want to have this prop and I want to have that set piece. Mm. Can we do that? Is that cool? You know, can this be on wheels? Can we stand on that? Can we twirl this around? So I have a lot more, um, I want to say responsibility and I can really get my fingers in it. Mm. Um, we're film, it's more just come and, you know, do some steps. And there's also, I'm sure, story involved. I haven't been a part of that. But the the small pieces of film I've been a part of, I just come in for that day and it's like, it's done. Okay. Um, but for uh, being a triple threat, it's been my own work that I've generated. Uh, mm. I did some Dorito spec commercials about a year ago. Mm. And then I'm working on my next dance comedy short. And it's, to me, that's... The director, writer, producer, I use those words, but in the concert world, I'd be a choreographer. And what do you write? What is the writing aspect? It's the story. Okay. There's no words, but it's, and I'm trying to figure out how to do that, actually, Mm. because I have two features in mind, Mm -hmm. and it's all, there's no words. So what I've been doing with my work is I usually just write a treatment of what happens, and each song is a scene, usually, and what happens in that scene. And uh, I actually went to a seminar with two uh, wonderful directors whose work, uh, they don't use a lot of words. Yep. So I was like, how do you write in your scripts? What do people want to see in a film script when there's no words? Right, exactly. So I'm learning that. Awesome. And building off of that, we're curious how directing is similar and different um, from the choreography that you'd been doing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, there's been very few times right now where I've solely directed and there's been no choreography. I did a play, and that was fun, and I just directed a web series, and it's all scripted. Mm. And, you know, I just go back to, and they're both comedies, which 
obviously is my wheelhouse. Yep. <laughs> so it's really just returning to the story and the characters and their colors and their textures and how we can flesh that out and connect the story and make it give it texture and bring it to life. So would you say you do that in both your choreography and your directing? Like really speaking with the actors or the dancers about the characters? And Absolutely. Developing? That's where it all comes from. I just do it without words. Mm-hmm. To me, there's no difference. So they need to know what their character is doing, where we're going, why are we doing this? They build mm-hmm. their own backstory. You know, they come, we want to wear these glasses. Does this work for the character? Yeah, it's great. Let's try that. You know, I've been able to mm-hmm. find some great dancers that, like, people will ask me, where do you find these dancers? I'm like, they're in, in, they're on Broadway. They're just not the stars. Huh. So also part of this is for me to give, like, there's no real place dancers are the forefront except for concert dance mm-hmm. or you know like a lead in a Broadway show you're usually not I mean there's a little dancer that Stroman just did which is great Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you know like there's uh, American Idol Mm -hmm. and that person can has gone on they've been gone to be superstars what do you do when you win so you think you can dance you fly away (laughs) (laughs) but there's no outlet for that there's no commercial uh, compatibility for that, which I yeah. think, I mean, they had me and Michael's show uh, in Vegas with uh, Celine Dion, which was great. That was like, mm-hmm. you could highlight them, and, and some of them have gone on to do Broadway, too, which is great, but there's no real thing where it's yeah. for the dancer. There's no vehicle for that. Well, I think they've all been absorbed into concert dance companies. Have they not, from So You Think You Can Dance? Probably. For the mm-hmm. most part. Yeah. yeah, but you're right. It's a very different paradigm altogether when you're mm-hmm. talking about the dancer versus the actor or the triple threat in Broadway. And um, maybe that will change. Like right now I know it an will. American in Paris. I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> I, I mean Christopher Wheeldon and Stroman are doing it, which is great. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's great to see now that as dance is becoming more popular, maybe hopefully this will become more prevalent on Broadway. Yeah, and there's other, you know, I know um, two other choreographers, Andy Blankenbuehler and Chris Catelli. They both are working on dance musicals, and they're both amazingly smart and ridiculously talented director-choreographers themselves. I'm very excited to see their work. Okay. So, you know, and we're, well, they're a little bit older than me, not by much, but, you know, we're we're all from that mindset that it's possible and it's been too long. You know, we haven't had a Fosse in a long time. We haven't had a Jerome Robbins in a long mm-hmm. time. We haven't had a Gene Kelly in a long time. You know, we've had, you know, Stroman's been great and Tharp and Matthew Bourne. Yeah. You know, those are all there, but we need, we need that next wave. I've seen a lot from Christopher Wheeldon coming out these days. I think he does have, I think he's attempting a comedic flair, and I think he has a talent for it. Um, mm-hmm. But I think he could go <laughs> farther. No, I think I think there are places in some of his ballets that are really funny um but i think he he needs some influence from people who are even funnier and more out there Mm -hmm. and i think if he could absorb those influences he could be even funnier and if i can add to that um one thing i have found very fascinating is how christopher wielden has such mass appeal yeah like a lot of non-dancers i know know about christopher wielden and ask me oh have you seen this piece it's Non-dancers? Yeah, a lot of non-dancers are very into Christopher Wheeldon, which I have found very 
interesting. And But I'm also very happy to hear. I'm happy that there is a choreographer out there who is bringing in more people into the dance world. And that's always a good thing to see. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I really like the direction he's going in. I just think he needs to take some steps outside the box and go go further and push the limits further. And I, I just see in his works, it seems like this tension between like the very classical world of dance and then he's reaching out a little bit, which a lot of people probably see as very innovative. But, you know, if you're going to Jacob's Pillow like we do every summer and seeing um, some, some of the really innovative work out there, you know that he could go a little bit farther. Mm-hmm. Well, I think he is, though, with American in Paris. I think that's a huge step because yeah. he's directing it yeah. also. And I haven't and seen that. The last thing I'm I that I'm going based on, actually, to be honest, is Cinderella, which was a little while ago. Mm. Um, and, oh, that puppet sequence was with the carriage was so beautiful. Yeah, um, that, that was sticks beautiful. in my mind as one of the best moments of ballet that I've seen. That was New York City Ballet. It wasn't theater. New York City Ballet, exactly. Yeah. That's very what different worlds, though. Yeah, in, in it, that in that aspect. Right, but that's what I'm looking for: are people to push those boundaries Absolutely. in ballet a little mm-hmm. bit more? Yeah. And I think that in that that particular performance, there was a real tension between like the very classical, stodgy, you know, ballet, which I still love, mm-hmm. and something little bit more visionary. In that particular scene, I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I think I saw San Francisco Ballet perform. Yeah, we probably saw it together. It was oh, San yeah, Francisco Ballet. <laughs> yeah, memory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's fascinating. I think that's exactly why Christopher Wielden has this mass appeal. That scene was so simple to conduct yet so beautiful that beautiful. to this day even I remember it. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a great crossover for audience engagement and getting more people into see dance. Well, in bringing in that collection of talent, I mean, he had, I think it was Basil Twist, Basil Twist, Basil. however he says his name, Basil Twist, who uh, created, the did the puppetry for that whole, whole mm. scene. I just love seeing all those different kinds of artists coming together and putting on something theatrical and spectacular. Yeah. Very cool. We digress. <laughs> Can I uh, jump on you, Jerome Robbins? Yeah, please do. Mm-hmm. You've seen Fancy Free? That must be, mm-hmm. I yes, I think that was one of the ones in the collection that I yes. saw in college. I just yes. wish I could remember what they were because <laughs> they were so good. He was like 24 when he did that. Wow. And But at that time, though, there was a lot of crossover between ballet and theater. You know, Balanchine did Slaughter on 10th Avenue on Broadway. He it's did. True. He, you know, mm-hmm. there was a lot more. Martha Graham was performing in Broadway houses. Oh. Like, there's a lot more crossover at that time because people were just sort of figuring out. I mean, modern dance was barely 30 years old at the time, maybe. You know, if you want to start with Isadora Duncan, it may mm-hmm. have been 35 years old, but it was still just sort of, you know, and, and it was very theatrical. I mean, Graham was the story queen at the time, mm-hmm. you know? Interesting. Do you think that we're heading back to that? Because I've heard of yes. a few uh, New York City ballet dancers getting onto Broadway recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we are. I mean, with the crossovers of, like, you know, Stroman uh, is working in both. Bill T. Jones is working in both. I'm working in both. Mm-hmm. Uh, Larry Kegwin is working in both. Uh, you know, we're there's there's. I think it's easier to go from the concert world to the theater world. Um, I think it's difficult to go the hmm. other way because the concert world, I mean, I don't want to shoot myself in the foot, but I, there's there's more of a a wide open space. There's less mm-hmm. boundaries. So you can really play and you have a lot of, there's not a lot of rules, so you can kind of figure out your own. Mm-hmm. And theater's great, but there's a lot of rules, which is fine too. 
but I think it's easier to go from expansive and in instead of the opposite. Yeah, but yeah that's, that's a good point. That's just my opinion. Well, I would think also just because in the concert world, you have to have trained for your entire life. You had to probably start when you were three. <laughs> yeah, but every for day. theater, though, too. I mean, you know, if you want to... To be at the top, that's true. Yeah, to be at the top, absolutely. Very true. But you could have, like, a smaller role, at least, in theater and... I don't know, it seems like maybe you could blend in more, whereas to be even a member of the corps de ballet, like the kind of training that goes into that is just so intense. Well, a lot of kids on the chorus have at least done, has have a BA in theater. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's very few that do that, or they were training in competition as dancers for their whole life. So how is it that we see some of these concert ballet dancers crossing over to Broadway then? I'm curious. How Money. Does, how does that no, I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, I understand their motivation, right? But um, every, if they haven't really trained in theater, of course, they've been performing in theater, so they understand many of them, the really good ones, how to bring a character to life on stage. Um, maybe what I'm asking is, can you hone in a little bit on what you mean by rules, like uh, how they manage to follow rules in theater that make it easier to guide that transition? Well, in theater, you're handed a script with the music, Mm -hmm. You have a director, you have a composer, you have a lyricist, you have a music director, you have actors that are hired. Mm. You know, you, you, and I don't mean rules and like break the rules. I don't mean that and that there's, you know, a lot of elements already in place where concert work, you kind of walk in and as Twyla Tharp says, the empty white room. Mm. And that's, you know, and that's sort of the, the difference in, you know, in the concert world. That's why I call myself a director, writer, choreographer. When I'm in the concert world, I'd be called a choreographer. Okay. But in the theater world, what I do is all three. Obviously, not all the time. Sure. But mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so you know, there's a wide open space in the concert world, and that actually brings me to a point. I would love to see more. Th- I would love to see more dance producers mm. because mm. in the theater world, you have producers that are, and you also have a team of a director and a choreographer and a music director. Mm-hmm. So you have people to bounce ideas off of, to collaborate, and to also keep you honest and be a good police for you. Mm-hmm. Where in the concert dance world, we don't have a lot of people asking questions of, why are you doing that? What about this? What about, you know, just hmm. um, helping hone the craft and, you know, cut out the crap, maybe, is a good way to right. put it. You know, I think, but then again, it's art. You know, I mean, it's an yeah. interesting question I think I'm so happy to hear you say that I'm over here making faces (laughs) I 100% agree and I'm again just so happy you mentioned it Um, in the dance world you really can float and flounder and I have often been looking for that feedback even when I had done a little bit of choreography in the past but I also see other choreographers just out there doing their own thing and they're not getting a lot of that professional type of feedback. Um, luckily, there are a lot of work-in-progress showcases mm-hmm. where people can get those comments on the card that you were talking about. Um, but that can only go so far. Like, you do get really silly comments on cards. I think I remember a card once that said, um, sexy, tall, lady, pretty, or something like that. <laughs> You're <laughs> like, that you. was the whole point. Awesome. <laughs> Um, But that's such a good point, and um, it's a much larger conversation, which we don't have time for, but how do you get the dance world to 
sort of promote each other and help each other, nurture each other into a more mm. professional feedback loop. Well, it's, it also, I mean, definitely in dance, in concert dance, you have the artistic director, um, often also the choreographer, who is you like the, the god. You're the same person, though. Exactly. And they're like God. Nobody would challenge their ideas. And is that kind of what you're getting That's at? That's what I'm getting at, yeah. They don't have that feedback from other people because don't have no an outside would. eye to help mm. sort of not, uh, look at your work and challenge your idea. Um, mm. I'm, I've been watching, because obviously the not-for-profit doesn't really work for dance right now. Like the the uh, structure, it's very mm -hmm. difficult, Definitely. and so the past ten years there's been the idea of being an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I love the dance world, but I feel like they're like, come on, guys, let's catch up. Come on, come hmm. on, yeah. come on, come on, and no one's saying things like, it's great you want to do your work. That's fantastic. Are you okay with it only being a hundred people? Great. Do you want more people? Great. Then you have to put butts in seats, and then you have to talk business. Mm. So, yeah. and that's kind of, I mean, I don't mean to be so harsh, but you know, that's a very general way of saying well, it. But I, I don't think people are really yeah. talking about that because the time of, you know, having uh, money, you know, when Twyla Tharp was and, you know, started and Paul Taylor and Ailey, and not that they weren't working hard, they were absolutely working hard. But there's no, you know, every, everybody had a company when I mm. came here. Mm -hmm. Everybody had a company and everybody was working, everybody was dancing, and there was no outside eye, like, policing the crap out of it. <laughs> you know, that sounds yeah. terrible. And, you know, maybe we don't need that. Maybe that's how art, you know, I don't want to also mm -hmm. oh, hone down do. art. Yeah, I think we yeah. do. Um, we have a friend who actually just started her own company to help artists uh, run their businesses. Great. I'm so glad <laughs> to hear is, that. Which is excellent. Um, Benvenuti Arts, is that what it's called? Okay, mm -hmm. good. Benvenuti Arts. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I feel like, okay, sorry, last comment, because I know we have to wrap up. Uh, but also in the, the big ballet world, there's such a culture of tiptoeing around the artists. Literally. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, on your point, shoes, <laughs> very softly. There's such a reverence um, for the artistic leads, but also a lot of fawning over them. And I think people are afraid to give any kind of even constructive criticism. So is that different in theater? Or are people a little bit yes. more <laughs> straightforward? I think it's different in the modern world, too, mm. because mm -hmm. ballet is the oldest of all of these. Yeah. And I love that reverence uh, that we have in the culture. So I feel of kind of two minds about it. Yeah. Anyway. But I think it's changing, like you're saying, with Christopher Wielden coming in and Stroman working in New York City Ballet. And, you know, mm. there's... And them allowing me to work with ballet dancers, you know, there's there's mm -hmm. wanting to bring new life to it because it, it is losing its audience. It's a lot like mm -hmm. opera, unfortunately. Yeah. But I think definitely. there's been a new influx, you know, uh, with Tyler Peck. And So You Think You Can Dance is trying to, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't... Love it. Yeah, I don't tend to watch it, but um, I love mm -hmm. what it's doing. Yeah. I do. I love that it's, it's showcasing that it's, you have the respect for the talent and the grit and the hard work that these kids do is prevalent. And you can't just like walk off the street and do it. Although there's been like two, right. but you know, it's very, very few and far between. Yeah. yeah. So are there any projects that you're excited about at the moment that you can share vaguely? Uh, yes, I am hoping to shoot my next dance comedy short in the next few months to bring to the festival what, what? circuit. Great. Sort of see uh, as a calling card for my work. 
I have a 10-part series that I'm writing right now, and I have two features that I'd like to shoot. And what else am I doing? I worked with the writers of Town on a zombie musical last fall. So we're uh, looking at the next stages of that, which was really great. Cool. Uh, yeah, just a lot of things. And I'm develop. I've been working on a show called Birthday Sacks for a while. Huh. It's a sketch comedian. He has a German character who loves who loves to sing '80s soundtrack songs with his saxophone quartet and his fräuleins. Mm. So we've had that up twice over the past two years, and we're trying to see where we want to go with that. Maybe a pilot, maybe a film. Very cool. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We are out of time, but it was really fascinating to learn more about all of these different worlds that you're a part of and more about what you do. Thanks. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. To all of our listeners, please do check out our website if you haven't yet, podedeux.com, P-O-D-D-E-D-E-U-X dot com. Uh, We have write-ups on all of our guests. We have all of our episodes posted um, other information and definitely check out our Facebook page which is just, just Potida on Facebook and uh, you'll get a lot more great content there we'll do some talkbacks with our alumni and post uh, upcoming shows and other promotions for alumni so stay involved check us out thank you